Hello, my dudes. Welcome back to Previously Gifted. This week's episode, um, I don't, I haven't really had much going on, you know, the usual shit. So I do have quite a few Netflix recommendations, as always. Whenever I think about like what I've been up to, I'm like, Netflix and chilling. Mm, how basic. Anyway, it's going to be good. There's a lot of great shows on, you know, and it's nice to chat about things and have a little discussion going rather than just mindlessly watching something and never thinking about it again. So I'm going to I'm gonna try to entertain you with this and I hope that we'll have a good time. How are you? What, what have you been up to today? Happy February 21st as I'm recording this. Hope you're having a good time. <laughs> Okay, let's give a shout out to our patrons. You guys know if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash previously gifted and become a little patron, you know, support the pod with a small financial donation. We have one new patron this week, and that is Lena Tohoff. Tohoff. Lena, Lena, Lena. Lena Tohoff. 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 Why can't I know how to pronounce people's names. That's my first question. Anyway, thank you so much, Lena, for becoming a patron. We also have our sponsors, including, but also just limited to, Hannah Baker, Sam Orn, Eric Courtright, and Liz Walsh. So thank you guys so much, always, for supporting the podcast. Let's jump right the frick in. Um, I'm going to start with one thing, but I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about overall. First thing, The Umbrella Academy. Great show. I will talk about that later because I need to be hype before I talk about it. Second thing, similar but different. First show is Botched Up Bodies, obviously about plastic surgery, botched procedures, and then Embarrassing Bodies, another British goodie. Um, again, I'll talk about that in detail, just, just warning you, getting you ready. And the first thing I want to talk about, most of these are British shows, which is pretty funny, like British reality shows. The first thing I want to talk about is a show on Netflix called Diva Brides. And, oh God, I have so much to say. So Diva Brides is one of those like typical British reality shows. First, I want to talk about, um, I love how I'm like, this is what I'm going to talk about, but first I'm going to talk about, and then I'm also first going to talk about this. So first, um, I, my last video on Tiffany Ferg about cosmetic procedures, I was talking with a YouTuber named Alana Arbucci, and she had been on an episode of MTV True Life. So um, she was talking to me a little bit about how that went and how it goes, obviously, to be on a reality show. And as we all know, they are somewhat, maybe not necessarily scripted. I don't know what her exact situation was because she's not legally allowed to talk about it in specifics online. Um, but you know, like when, when a show is recording something and they want you to fit that narrative for the episode, you know, she said that they recorded like hours and hours and hours of footage, and then you can hear it when you're listening to the episode. You can hear how they chop up what people say to make it exactly what they want it to be, you know? So anyway, I went into watching a lot of these shows, these reality shows, just thinking, damn, this is the tea, you know? This is the reality TV tea. I mean, obviously we know that reality shows aren't real for the most part, but it's just funny to see like, 
you know, the situations that they focus on or like, I don't know, they just, they create this like dorky little narrative and that just makes me laugh. So anyway, Diva Brides. Uh, Nathan and I started watching it a couple nights ago. First of all, I got in the habit of like making a meal and sitting down to watch whatever show I was going to watch. And lately before this, it had been either botched up bodies or embarrassing bodies. I was watching Botched Up Bodies because I was kind of researching for my video about cosmetic procedures, but mostly just because I like to watch it. And I would make a meal and then sit down and watch these disgusting shows, you know, like showing people's like botched bodies and like infections and shit. And I'm like, I need a different show to watch, at least while I'm eating, because this is not, not good. It's not cute. Uh, so then I, I, I decided on Diva Brides. And... Um, so yeah, it's British. It's a little bit different. I'm sure that, you know, the standard British wedding may be different than the standard American wedding, but very similar concepts, you know? Um, so Diva Brides is like, you know, the classic <laughs> Diva Brides. Brides go crazy because they want their wedding to be perfect. Eh. So it's somewhat entertaining, but also annoying because I'm like, are these people really this annoying? Or is it just the coordination of the production team and the show overall that like, obviously emphasizes the most annoying features. So like, for example, one of the brides was named Sophie. And in the beginning of the episode, she was like, you know, if I don't get my way, you can call me Psycho Sophie. <laughs> that horrible accent, sorry, had to do it. Um, so yeah, they like kept running with this Psycho Sophie thing. Like then her, you know, fiance would come on and he'd be like, yeah, if Sophie doesn't get her way, like, you don't want to see her when she's mad. You don't want to see psycho Sophie come out. And then like her best friend comes up and she's like, well, yeah, if she doesn't get her way, she's going to become psycho Sophie. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is all that this episode is going to be about is them just like making this joke or continuous thing about how psycho she is, which is just so annoying. I get that it's catchy, okay? Like, with alliteration, it's somewhat catchy to say, but it's just, like, so obviously exaggerated that it's, like, annoying. I was like, okay, we get it. Like, that's what the point of the show is. Diva brides. Like, chill out and move on. Show us something else that's interesting. Um, but anyway, there's always, like, conflict because that's what these shows are about. This show is terrible. I wouldn't actually recommend Diva Brides unless you're trying to watch some very light mm, trash TV. But anyway, it, it more so made me think about just the concept of weddings and like marriage. And um, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately anyway. Um, not that like Nathan and I are engaged or anything, but obviously we've talked about marriage or we've talked about, you know, what we would like our family to be like, or like, you know, we're like, if we get married, it's going to be complicated because <laughs> my family would have to come from the West Coast and his family would have to come from England. Like, where the hell could we have a wedding? Like, either way, everyone would have to travel so much. Like, would we meet halfway and have a wedding in New York because we're here or what? Um, so that's obviously complicated, but um, <laughs> it just makes me think about like, the standards that we have for what a wedding should be and like what it means to people. So let's jump into that. Um, let me just start off by saying like, I have never been the type of person to dream about my wedding or plan my wedding. You know, there's always people like on these shows, girls will be like, you know, I've always been dreaming about my wedding and what kind of dress I'd wear and exactly everything that I'd want it to be since I was a little girl. 
and my accent. Oh, it's so bad, but I enjoy it so much, you know? I apologize. So, yeah, people are like, I've always dreamed about my wedding. Like, I have my Pinterest boards and everything, and I'm like, can't relate. Like, not to be like, I'm not like those other girls, but like, I don't know, just when I've thought about my future, I have thought about being married eventually, but I've never really focused on the wedding. Maybe it's like, I don't have that like party planner, like, personality where I get excited about organizing events and like making my registry list and my invitations like no I I would send out an email and just be like we're getting married you already know come please (laughs) but anyway so me not being the type of person to have ever really thought about this it just amazes me when I actually hear about like obviously everything that goes into putting a wedding together, especially if it's a big wedding or whatever, is so complicated. And honestly, kudos to everyone who is able to organize a wedding like that. I mean, most people need the help of wedding planners and stuff, but like either way, it's just a fuck ton of stuff to do and it's very overwhelming, so I get that. Um, But also like the amount of money that people put into it just blows my damn mind. I've got some information for you guys. So I wanted to like have some facts. So I was Googling just minutes before I started recording this and found that the average cost in the US of a wedding is $25,000. That's crazy, $25,000 for a one day event, you know? I'm just like, on one hand, I get wanting to invest in it and make it a good day but you know people are like this is my day this is my perfect day like i want it to be everything i want it to be a fairy tale and i'm like i get that i get that it's a significant day but when people spend like a crazy amount of money or when they get into debt um like that's how they're starting their marriage is like here's thirty thousand dollars in debt for the day one you know i just feel like that sometimes isn't the most wise financial decision. And maybe all of this is due to the fact that I have been consuming a lot of financial content, like personal finance, you know, how to manage your money and all of that. Um, And yeah, I just get, I I just kind of like reject the standard expectations. You know, it's like, why, why is it recommended that like, in addition to the standard 30 to $40,000 student loan debt that you're likely to have by the time you get married, that then you and your partner should invest or spend another $30,000 that maybe you don't have, you know? I'm just like, holy shit, that's crazy. It's so expensive. And on that note, like, I mean, I don't know what the traditions are. I don't know if people are like as traditional as this, but I know that like throughout history, there's been like, the tradition that the bride's family or the bride's parents pay for the wedding. And I'm like, "Uh, that's not happening. (laughs) I'm like, "Mm, I'm not gonna ask my parents to pay for the wedding. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't think most people really do that. I think either the couple pays for it themselves, either, you know, money that they save up or maybe they take out some loans or maybe the families on each side pitch in, I don't know, every situation's different. Or maybe like your parents or your partner's parents are loaded and they offer to pay for the whole wedding and you have to be like, no, you don't have to do that. That's too much, but yes, thank you. You know, I'm like, hmm, tempting. (laughs) But anyway, I, I just think it's an amazing amount of money. And I mean, obviously the wedding industry is an industry it's there to make money there are a lot of people involved there's you know it it does create a lot of jobs so that's a good thing um but i just think like 
just based on the expectations that people think that we have about weddings and what your wedding is supposed to be, it seems a little crazy to spend more money than you can handle. And everyone has their own budget that they can handle, you know? Um, But yeah, I think that's one part that I don't jive with particularly is like, yeah, the expectation of it. Like some people are like, oh, I have to do this wedding the way that my grandma would like it. Or I have to impress these people. Or like, I'm inviting everyone I know, so I have to make it like really perfect for them. And I'm like, I get it, but also it's your day. So shouldn't it be perfect to you? Like, why would you set your standards to the people that are attending your wedding? You know, I don't know, it's too much. So anyway, I'm sure that some of you listening right now are married or perhaps engaged or are the type of gal or boy to, you know, create Pinterest boards for your wedding and more power to you. Um, I would love to hear any of your experiences if you have been married and would be willing to share any details Um, because it's fascinating. And really, I haven't had many of my friends. I have like one friend who's married. I think that's it. Um, Because obviously I'm young, I'm 23, there aren't too many people my age married so far, but I'm sure in the next, actually no, I'm thinking about like high school peers on Facebook and I'm like, "Mm, there's a good amount of them who have been married. I will say the majority of those people are Mormon. I did have a pretty big Mormon population at my high school um, and they tend to marry young. But anyway, (laughs) that is off track. Um, Yeah, I don't know. When I think about like the kind of wedding that I would want, um, like Nathan and I were talking about this. He's like, oh, we're going to have to invite so many people. And I was like, who? (laughs) I was like, my immediate family, you know, and like your immediate family. I consider immediate family, which goes against what immediate family means, to include like grandparents, you know, like everyone who would be around for Christmas maybe, but like cousins, cousins, cousins. No, they're not invited. No offense, but no. I don't know. But anyway, I was like, well, I feel like I wouldn't have that many people to invite. Like, I guess it depends on like what your social network is like. But, you know, I could think of like my friends and like maybe some acquaintances. But like, I can't imagine wanting to invite like everyone that I am kind of friends with. Because I'm like, dude, it's my wedding. Like, if I'm not invited to your small wedding, you're not going to be invited to my small wedding. And also that doesn't matter. I think it's just more so about like, I don't know. It's like, it's like a MySpace top eight situation where you're like, oh shit. Especially if you have a smaller wedding where you limit it to a certain number of people, you're like, oh, well, who makes the cut? I mean, obviously half the guest list is just family, you know, just all the siblings, the aunts, uncles, grandparents. And then you only have a few seats left. Who makes the cut? Um... Yeah, I'm like, I don't feel like I have that many friends to where I could invite, like, dozens of friends. Like, maybe one dozen? Maybe a good 12 pals? Who knows? And that's including, like, bridesmaids, I guess? I don't know. This is truly more thought than I've even put into it. I'm like, who would be my bridesmaids? Who would be my maid of honor? Like, my sister or McKenna, my best friend? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, what I'm saying is that I think I would like to have a small wedding, but like small to somebody is completely different to to small to somebody else. You know, like somebody may think a small wedding is like 50 people. Somebody else may think a small wedding is 150 people. Somebody else may think a small wedding is like you, your partner and a witness, you know? So I don't know. All I know is I don't have that many people to invite. 
And then I think that it, it should be even on the bride or the groom side, because then it feels, you know, equally like it's your day and my day and our day, you know? Like, I feel like it would be uncomfortable if, like, I don't know, Nathan, for example, <laughs> if he invited, like, three times as many people so that, like, all the wedding guests were, like, 75% him and 25% me. I don't know. There's so many elements that go into this. Um, but yeah, I think I would like to have a smallish wedding in every way, like not, not, not expensive. I would want to spend, I don't even know how much money to throw out here, maybe less than 5,000. Is that doable? I don't know. Um, and then yeah, keep my guest list relatively low if possible, but also the fact that like, yeah, either everyone at the wedding would have to fly out. So like that would be a consideration. I'd be like, oh shit, okay, you're invited to the wedding, but we can't like help everyone pay for their airfare. So like, if you can make it, see ya. If not, you know what, we'll live stream it. That'll work. <laughs> I don't know, that's very complicated. It's probably a lot easier if like you and your partner like come from the same hometown and you know the same people it's like boom we could literally have it at the local church we're done i mean for a lot of people that's what their wedding is it's so much less complicated but anyway this is a topic that we do not need to think about anytime soon but it's just fascinating i'm just like hmm on one hand i feel like the wedding industry is just a scam like there are so many elements of it that are just rooted in tradition so far back that like the average person doesn't even consider why or like questioning certain things like i was just reading something that said that veils historically <laughs> the bride used to wear a veil and not take it off or lift it until after they say i do so that the husband couldn't leave if he didn't like what she looked like and i'm like is this fucking true because i am not wearing that symbol of I don't know what it would be, catfishing or like trapping your husband or husbands being way too, um, too, what's the word? Shallow? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just like, hmm, the more you learn, you know? So anyway, I have a few other um, fun facts. So as I said, the average cost in the US of a wedding is about $25,000, wild, but... 50% of couples spend less than 15000 so that's a little bit better. But neither of those figures include the cost of a honeymoon. And I'm like, that's a whole other thing. Oh, shit. Like, you gotta, you gotta drop thousands going to Bora Bora or Hawaii or wherever you're going. I don't know. <laughs> and then the average cost of a wedding dress is $1,300. And for the vast majority of people, they buy a very specific dress that is... A wedding dress so it's not like you can ever rewear it to any other kind of events so it's just like damn you gotta drop some serious coin and these are all just again like a lot of them are just like kind of societal expectations or traditions that we don't really question i was reading this article recently sometime that was somebody who's pretty like cynical and pessimistic about weddings in general and marriage actually and i think she was saying like that she doesn't even know if she wants to be married at all because marriage is a a a, a pillar of the patriarchy <laughs> and like you know it's all about like the submissive nature of the wife and like why do i need to have a marriage at all you know why can't why can't we just be in a relationship and never get married legally and i was like huh that's interesting i don't know i don't know 
I don't know how I feel necessarily yet about the concept of being a wife or having a husband or just that entire, yeah, the entire concept. Um, I think it is what you make it. Some people, you know, they want to be that traditional wife who's like, I am, I am the right hand man to my husband. I will manage the house and I will do all the wifely duties. And then, you know, there are people who just, I don't know. It's like, do I think that marriage is inherently a bad thing? No, but like, I don't think I've thoroughly analyzed it for my own personal situation yet. So interesting. <laughs> I also have some fun facts. So many more fun facts. They're endless. Um, about the tradition of wearing a white wedding dress. So I think initially I just assumed, or you know, it tends to be the thought these days that brides wear white to signify purity and innocence, which is funny because, I mean, I guess that would be true in a in, in a marriage where everyone's a virgin and, you know, there is like that actual element of purity in a religious sense. Um, but obviously, like I would say the majority of people who get married these days are not virgins. So it's like, why are we still playing with this like perception of the, the innocent virgin bride or this purity centric, concept, bleh. Um, but the tradition of wearing white largely came from Queen Elizabeth. No, what am I saying? Queen Victoria. I fucked up the one thing that I wasn't supposed to fuck up. Queen Victoria, uh, who got married in 1840. She wasn't the first person to wear a white wedding dress, but at the time it was normal to wear red, um, and have like a very like specific combination of accessories, and she decided to wear a white lace dress, um, which a lot of people saw as like a power move, basically. Um, the article thing that I was reading said that uh, she wanted to show support for the British textile industry, so she wore the white lace, which was Honiton lace, which I've actually been to Honiton because it's right in Devon near um, where Nathan is from. So I was like, Honiton, I recognize that Honiton lace. I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a cool, like, uh, patriotic kind of move for her to like, want to encourage people to like, you know, sh support local <laughs> businesses, you know, support the local British textile industry, even back in the, you know, 1800s. But also another thing said that wearing a white wedding dress was a symbol of wealth because at the time wearing white or like white uh, textiles were very rare because they were hard to get. They were expensive in the first place. And then of course they were difficult to maintain and keep clean. So like coming out in a white wedding dress, all luxurious was like a flex. <laughs> I love being a historian, you know? Oh God. But anyway, yeah, that was my deep dive into weddings thanks to a Netflix show, which is not deep at all, but I, I had to get deep there a little bit. If you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you leave me a comment. Let me know what you think about marriage. <laughs> the institution of marriage and uh, weddings, you know? I don't know. But again, on that note, I have never been to a wedding. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I think that the only wedding that I've ever been to, I don't even know if this is real or if I'm making this up. Like, do you know, like those memories where you're like, um, am I imagining this or did this happen? I think I went to my sister's teacher's wedding when she was in like fourth grade. So I must've been in like second grade. 
And right now I'm like, why did the teacher invite one of her students and her sibling to her wedding? Why was it such a small wedding? I feel like I remember going to this like just weird building and like, I'm like, is this a fake memory? Did I dream this? I just remember it being like a pretty small room, like maybe like 30 seats. And like we were there because I bought a cute dress for it. And so that's confusing to me, questioning everything. But anyway, aside from that possibly false memory, uh, I don't think I've ever been to like a real wedding, which is crazy. My aunt got married and I was so excited for her and I was so excited for that wedding. But that happened like two weeks after I arrived in France when I was studying abroad. Um, Have I mentioned that I studied abroad in France? I I just had to mention it. Sorry, in case you guys didn't know. (sighs) Truly, is it an episode of Previously Gifted if I don't mention that I studied abroad in France? Anyway, yeah, so that was like my one opportunity to go to a wedding and I couldn't go and I was pretty sad about it. Anyway, it was a beautiful wedding. The pictures were great. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like none of my friends have, you know, gotten married yet and I don't see any of them getting married and like having a full wedding anytime soon. So I don't know. It's just such a a 20s kind of thing. Maybe it happens once you're past your like mid 20s. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be a time where I'm invited to like too many weddings or maybe I'll just never get more friends and I won't be invited to that many. I guess it depends how big your social circle is. Um, But yeah, I mean, I know people always complain like I've gone to too many damn weddings. It's too expensive. I'm buying so many presents or like same thing for like uh, baby showers and stuff like that. Anyway, fascinating stuff, isn't it? Hope it was, because otherwise you probably turned off this episode, in which case I apologize for not entertaining you enough. All right, uh, next I'm going to jump into these other shows. (laughs) How could I possibly fill up an entire hour just talking about a couple of Netflix shows? Here we are. So, Botched Up Bodies and Embarrassing Bodies. Um... Botched Up Bodies, as I mentioned, and Embarrassing Bodies are both British shows. Yeah, I started to watch Botched Up Bodies because I was researching plastic surgery and all of that for a video, and it is just interesting to watch. Um, It's really, really sad to see people suffer with, you know, botched surgeries and the impacts of that for so long. Um, And obviously the cost of the initial surgery and then having to pay again to get it fixed is just like mind blowing. Like I can't, I can't imagine the stress like physically and financially of having to pay for like two or more surgeries to get like near the initial thing that you wanted, you know? So there are a lot of, um, a lot of interesting surgeries on there. Some of them were about weight loss and like so somebody would get the the gastric band surgery and then lose a lot of weight really quickly and then they would have a lot of loose skin. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I watched a video uh, analyzing Arrested Development and it talked about the Lucille, loose seal joke where Buster gets attacked by a loose seal. <laughs> and me saying loose skin just reminded me of loose seal. So anyway... <laughs> I love Arrested Development. I need to rewatch it. Speaking of Netflix shows that I should spend more time watching. Um, but yes, weight loss and loose skin. It's, it's, it's very interesting to me because um, also with Botched Up Bodies and Embarrassing Bodies, 
it's it's in Britain, and so it's talking about, you know, the NHS and, like, what the NHS covers, and sometimes it'll mention what it costs to go to a private clinic. Um, but it's just so different watching one of these shows and having people actually get, you know, a gastric band surgery or a loose skin removal surgery covered by the NHS because it's a medical need, you know? With the loose skin thing, it can be, sometimes it's considered cosmetic, cosmetic nice, stutter. <laughs> Sometimes it's considered cosmetic, um, but usually on like the stomach or where you have like a crazy amount of loose skin, if it, if it can cause like skin rashes or infections, then it would be considered medically necessary and the NHS would pay for it. And I'm just like, wow, what's it like having universal healthcare? Let me know, you know? And so many of you are not American, by the way. Like, I know how many of you uh, just live elsewhere in the world. So shout out to you guys, especially if you have universal health care, because it's a great thing to have. Appreciate it, you know? Don't take it for granted. But yeah, I've watched a lot of those, uh, like, reconstruction episodes. So, like, some people get, like, really bad scars, or obviously the whole point is that their surgery is botched. So it's, it's amazing to see other doctors be able to work with whatever's been left, you know, and figure out a way to make something look better. Because sometimes there are situations where it seems like, how is it possible for someone to even fix this? Like, they've got no room now. Like, the first surgeon was so terrible that, like, how do you even begin to deal with that? But anyway, <laughs> interesting. So Botched Up Bodies is interesting. I would recommend it. Good show. But Embarrassing Bodies is the real one. And um, Botched Up Bodies kind of has like, oh shit, my camera stopped recording. Hold on one second. Let me just make all the noise I can possibly and shake my table. Hey, three seconds, <laughs> I'm back. Um, Botched Up Bodies kind of feels a little bit more like a tabloid kind of show. There are still some like bits of medical information, but it definitely is more like, I don't know, like more exploitative, I guess. Um, and Embarrassing Bodies, though it does have its kind of outrageous elements, um, Embarrassing Bodies is basically these three doctors who go across the UK and explain different like health issues and they try to teach people like in public about random issues or signs that you should look for or whatever. So um, they also have clinics that people can come into with whatever their embarrassing issue is that they've been avoiding or haven't been able to have resolved. Um, so yeah, Embarrassing Bodies is a really educational show. I've learned a lot from watching that and it, it makes me feel really happy to watch people, there are so many people who come in and say, oh my God, I've been dealing with this problem for 10 years and either doctors have never been able to diagnose it or fix it or I've just given up and I'm just too embarrassed to go to another doctor again. So it's amazing to see people go into the clinic, finally be diagnosed and get the right medication or the right treatment and then come back and show their results and like, it really, really makes me appreciate my health. <laughs> I think it's so easy to take your health for granted. And like just all of the simple things that, you know, a regular healthy body has and can do, you just want to appreciate it because, you know, there are people coming in with these really, really painful and difficult um, conditions 
And sometimes they're, you know, lifelong chronic conditions that can only be managed, but sometimes they can be completely healed. And anyway, I'm just like, thank you, God, for my health. Even though I'm not religious, thank you, universe. Thank you, self. Thank you, doctors. Shout out to the doctors, you know? Shout out to the medical industry for for helping us out one time. Um, (laughs) But anyway, if you guys are interested, you should definitely watch Embarrassing Bodies. Um... Yeah, I would not recommend eating because it's a, it's a, it's a gnarly show. Also, they show full nudity. There are some shows. I don't know if they still do this in the U.S. Um, that censor things, but you know the British shows don't censor anything. So like when somebody comes in with hemorrhoids, you see them. You know, like if they've got an anal prolapse, you see it. Or they're just like all up in between your legs, or like there's like rotting flesh. I've seen some gnarly shit on there and I'm just like, wow, I didn't even know this existed and now I've seen it up close in HD. (laughs) Great. Uh, But anyway, it's really good because it does help lessen the stigma also of like more common things that can still be embarrassing, like, you know, STIs or, um, you know, what do they call it? Vaginal, vaginal, (laughs) basically um, yeast infections and what is it? Vaginal no, bacterial vaginosis? I don't know. Again, great. I'm totally absorbing this information and then I can't repeat it when I try to recall it. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think it's very important to watch that kind of stuff and to also like, I don't know, some of this knowledge can be really helpful to just recognize it because you never know in your own life if you have certain kinds of symptoms, like whether that is something that you should go to your doctor for or Sometimes your doctor can't even recognize it. So it's kind of nice to be able to go in and possibly have something that you suspect it to be. I don't know. I bet doctors like hate that when people come in and they're like, excuse me, doctor, I've seen embarrassing bodies. I know exactly what this is. Um, They're like, let me diagnose you, sweetie. Sit down. But I don't know. Anyway, it's also fascinating because um, as I said on the show on embarrassing bodies, They come in and see the main doctors and then they get referrals to go get their surgeries or whatever. And I'm just like, shout out NHS. Because I think if you did this kind of show in the United States, for example, where we don't have universal health care coverage and a lot of people are underinsured or uninsured, it's a completely different ballgame because, you know, people may have embarrassing problems or serious conditions, but like they can't afford to go to their doctor like maybe you can't afford your insurance premium or your copay, or you know that they'll refer you to another doctor and you won't be able to afford it or it won't be covered. And it's just, it just emphasizes how tragic it is to live in a country like this where that same level of decency and treatment is not always possible for everyone. So anyway, big fan of universal healthcare. Hope that we can get there soon because it's very important, you know? Our health is like, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important things that we have. And it's much, much better to be able to prevent things from happening than try to deal with them after the fact. It's much more expensive and it's much more dangerous and risky and obviously uncomfortable for the person. So anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. We love it. We love a healthcare rant. This episode is, might I say, random. I'm going to take a break and then we will get back and discuss the Umbrella Academy. Stay tuned.
And we're back. I want to remind you guys to please, if you're listening this on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please, please, please leave me a review for the pod. Um, I'm going to read my latest review, which is from Sally4444, and it's five stars, actually relatable content. (laughs) Um, And it says, I've been watching Tiffany on YouTube since I was in seventh grade. Listening to her has always felt like listening to the older sister I never had. Just talk about life. She is the realest person on the internet. That's a claim. And I absolutely love her and this podcast. I love you too, Sally. Thank you so much for the sweet review. Um, But anyway, it really helps the podcast. Nathan's calling me. I'm recording my podcast. I am so sorry. It's okay. Okay, No, what are you doing? Oh my god, are you serious? <sighs> I'll check. I'm doing well. I will text you when I'm done in like 10 minutes. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed that little inside look at a conversation with Nathan and I. Yeah, he ordered a North Face jacket because this winter he thought that he could get through uh, New York winter again. I don't know how he didn't buy a big jacket last year, Um, but he doesn't have like a big puffy, like heavy duty jacket. So he thought he could get through this winter. He's like, okay, I'll wait and then I'll buy one when everything's on sale at the end of the winter and then use it next year. I was like, okay, cool. So you're just gonna suffer until then? And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And then he decided to buy a coat. So anyway, he's impatiently waiting for it to arrive, but it's supposed to get here today. Good news. Anyway, as I was saying, just please leave me a review and I will read it on the podcast and show my appreciation for your appreciation. Anyway, back to what I was gonna talk about. The Umbrella Academy, y'all. Um, it's such a good show, such a good show. Ugh, every every single show I watch, I think I just cracked my hand doing that, ew. Um, every single show I watch that's good, I'm like, God, how is it possible that there are so many good shows? I'm never gonna watch a show this good again. And then I find another one. So uh, the Umbrella Academy, Nathan was like, hey, let's watch watch the show. And I didn't know what it was. I hadn't even seen it on Netflix, uh, but we watched the trailer and I was like, this looks dope. Basically the premise is that um, this eccentric billionaire, as they always are. I mean, can you be a billionaire and not be eccentric? Is that possible? This eccentric billionaire decides to adopt a bunch of kids who, for some reason, were all born on the same day, at the same time, to, get this, mothers that had not been pregnant that morning. So if you get what I'm saying, it's kind of, I'm not saying it's a Jesus scenario, but it definitely is maybe not a virgin birth because I don't know if all the mothers were virgins. Anyway, it's a miraculous birth situation. All across the world, babies were born on this same day. You couldn't explain it. And then this freaking monopoly ass man, billionaire comes in and adopts the babies. Weird. So he was able to get like seven out of the 40 something babies that were born on the same day, which, okay, first of all, I'm like, huh, life question. If I had a baby today, (laughs) like let alone if I got pregnant today, what would I do? But like, if I had a baby today, like after I record this podcast, boop, give birth all of a sudden, 
would I keep it? Like, what would I do? Holy shit. Like, I didn't have any time to plan for this at all. Um, Kind of a horrific situation, to be honest. But anyway, I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, well, let's see. Out of... Out of those like 30 that didn't let him adopt their babies, did they keep it or did they probably look into a better adoption rather than a random old man who busts in and offers you money for your baby? Yeah, I don't think I would offer my child to that that man either. <gasps> wow, there's so many potential twists for the show. It's just like clicking in my head. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. So he takes these babies and forms the Umbrella Academy, which I don't know why that's called it. There's been no explanation so far. And the kids end up having superpowers somehow. Sorry, burping. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to drink seltzer carbonated water before the podcast. It's never a good idea. Um, so yeah, they're all like superheroes except one of them. And they all go by like their number. So there's like number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, um, yeah, the show is really, really good. (laughs) I, I've become a lot bigger fan of like fantasy, science fiction-y kind of shows, probably thanks to Nathan because he's made me watch a lot of Marvel and DC and stuff like that. Not that I was, like, not a fan before, but I just wasn't, like, that's the first thing I want to watch, you know? Um, But, yeah, the show is very... I'm trying to get in my, like, reviewing a show mindset. It definitely has a lot of good twists and turns. It's a bit of a mystery the whole time. You know, there's quite a few plot lines going on where you're like, wait, what's happening with those characters? And what are these guys doing? And how does this all work? And what happened to that one kid? Um, Love it. We love a good mystery. So it definitely keeps you wondering. And we have just binged it in the past few days, as is the usual situation. Um, We just fly through TV probably like anybody else. I'm about to explain uh, binging Netflix to you. Have you ever tried it? Um, But yeah, we'll like, you know, we'll sit down once we make our dinner, watch an hour, two, three hours (laughs) of a show. And yeah, we just burn through stuff so fast. But we have the final two episodes, so don't spoil it for me yet. And don't spoil it for anyone in the comments either. I want you guys to watch it. Uh, We have the last two episodes tonight, which is going to be good. It's going to get freaky. And I should never have done that. I'm sorry. That was worse than the intro dancing. Me going like like this (laughs) and saying it's going to get freaky. I'm so cringy. Love it. I've gotten a few comments lately um, of people saying that I act like a mom or I look like a mom (laughs) and I wholeheartedly agree I am dorky as fuck in the most momish way and like there are some cool moms there are some like being a mom doesn't define me moms but I just feel like I'm the dorky ass mom and I haven't even had children yet and I'm like oh no if I'm like this at 23 like what am I gonna be like at 33 when I'm an actual mom probably I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And it will be magnificent. I think I'm going to be dorky as hell, but I'm going to be so caring. And um, who knows? I don't know. It just makes me laugh because there are certain things that I do where I'm like, am I, th- am I a mid forties woman stuck in a 23 year old body? Because like, I didn't get the, I didn't get the cool gene. I didn't get the like, okay, I shouldn't, <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube. I apologize. And if you're not, good, because I just, I keep making it worse. I'm digging myself a hole. Anyway, you should watch The Umbrella Academy. It's really good. What I learned today is that um, 
it is based on a comic. I, I That was my first question. I was like, this has to be based on a comic, you know? Um, but I hadn't Googled that. And the comic series was, or maybe it's just one comic, I don't know, co-written by Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. So um, I'm so scared that I got that wrong that I'm confirming because if I said the wrong thing, then that would be incredibly embarrassing. Um, Gerard Way. Yes. MCR, baby. Uh, yeah, he apparently co-wrote these like back in 2008 or something, and they just now got produced into TV. And so, you know, I don't know the source material, but I think the show is pretty good. So, you know, I can't compare between the two, but it seems to be decent. I don't know. I've never like read a comic. I don't know if it would be the type of medium or format that I would enjoy, but I definitely love like the spirit of a comic, if that makes sense. Um, And yeah, it's just really good. I'm just like, I'm thinking about all the things and I'm like, I really hope there's a season two because they have so many more questions that they need to answer. Even though there are two more episodes, they could answer a lot of questions, but I feel like they're leaving certain things completely untouched to be able to address later on. I love watching a show and being like, where the fuck would this go in the next season? You know, like, it seems like this is their only problem. What would they possibly do if they overcome this successfully or, you know? So that's it. In other news, I bought a hula hoop, bitch. I can't explain this. Um, (laughs) I have it sitting right over there. I hooped for like 12 minutes this morning while watching a a video on YouTube and I'm trying to make it part of my fitness routine. I spent like 40 bucks plus shipping on an adult hula hoop, a beginner hoop. Um, yeah, I've been on this like kind of fitness or weight loss or get fit, whatever kick for a minute. I've been trying to be more aware of what I'm eating um, because to be honest, like never in my life have I paid attention to calories. And sometimes as a vegan, people assume like, oh, you're vegan, you don't need to pay attention to calories. But that's so not true because I could eat like two bags, like family size bags of potato chips in a day. And that's obviously not healthy for anyone. So I want to, I want to track my nutrients, but also kind of be aware of how many calories I'm eating. Cause like there are certainly days where I'm overeating. And again, I'm at the point where my pants don't fit and I'm just like, okay, this is due to myself. If I just eat a normal, healthy amount of food, then I should fit better in these pants, right? Anyway, if I if I do have some success in becoming healthier, uh, maybe I'll make a video about it on my vlog channel or something. But anyway, one element of this was like, I need to start working out, obviously. Um, it's healthy for everyone to do a good bit of exercise every day or, you know, multiple times a week at least. So I literally don't know how the fuck I stumbled upon this hula hoop. I don't know what I was doing. Oh, I think I was just Googling like best at-home workouts or something. I don't know. And I found hula hooping and I thought about it and I was like, okay, I have a yoga mat that's dusty as hell in my closet because when throughout the day do I want to do yoga? Though I do want to do yoga because I need to like work on my posture and my flexibility because my body feels terribly tight all the time. But to be honest, I just never grab it and want to go, I want to do yoga. Like I need to join a class or something to give myself some accountability. But I read about hula hooping and how that can help you like lose some weight in your midsection because, you know, you're targeting your 
your abs while you're, you know, swinging it around. But most importantly, I was like, hey, that's an exercise that I can do in the morning or whenever during the many hours of the day that I'm sitting and watching videos. Because in my job, I watch a lot of videos. In my spare ass, lazy ass time, I watch a lot of videos or listen to podcasts, whatever. And I was like, okay, that's an activity that I really could do whilst doing other things and I almost have no excuse. So now I have this hula hoop and uh, I'm just staring at it. It's blue, it's beautiful, it's pretty good quality. I didn't know that adult you know, fitness or dance hula hooping was such a complicated and um, interesting issue, but in shopping for my hula hoop, <laughs> I had to find the right size, I had to find the right weight. I was like, I just thought you'd just buy a hula hoop, you know? And these are not your standard kid hoops, you know? Um, so I went to like a specific hooping website from like Portland, Oregon or something and, uh, found my perfect hoop and I tried it out today and it's pretty nice. I'm pretty happy that I can still hula hoop because I guess like some adults struggle to learn like how to do it and get the hang of it. Mm, but I'm like, it was only 15 years ago that I was hula hooping on the playground. But anyway... <laughs> Nathan was laughing at me because he's like, you're not going to sign up for like a gym, but you're going to buy a hula hoop. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, okay, good luck with that. And you know what? I better make it worth it because I do not want to say that I wasted $40 plus shipping to buy a hula hoop and just put it in my closet and never use it. Because it's a pretty big hoop. Like I can't really put it out of the way. Like it's sitting on the middle of the floor right now. Which is probably not good because if I broke it, I would also be really, really sad. Anyway, uh, if any of you are hula hoopers, let me know. I would honestly love that. And and here's the thing. I do know of hula hooping in like a dance context. So like I know that there are people who, I don't know, at festivals or raves even. I don't know. Um, they'll hula hoop with like lots of different hoops and they'll put some on their arms and they can like move them all around their body. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to do that or be interested in doing that, uh, but I respect it. Um, but yeah, I was like, I just want a regular hula hoop just for standing and putting around my waist, you know? There are also like really heavy hula hoops and I've read from all of my blogs and warnings that I saw, <laughs> hula hoop blogs, um, that you wanna be careful and not get a hoop that's bigger than like three pounds um, because Sometimes like there are fitness hoops advertised for like working out that are like heavy. And if they're too heavy, they can actually damage your back. And I'm like, okay, the last thing I need to do is get injured and ruin my back from hula hooping. So anyway, cheers to me being a fit girly. Again, I'll let you know if, uh, if I see some progress. I should, honestly, I should see some progress because I'm gonna burn some cows and have a good time doing it. You know, I can turn on some tunes and just start hooping around my apartment. Ah, isn't that great? I bet you never expected to hear this from me because honestly, neither did I. But you know, life brings you to, to what you're meant to do. <laughs> or I just wasted $40. Either way, I don't know. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Previously Gifted. Stay tuned for another episode next week. I hope you're having a wonderful day and you have a good rest of the day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye.